This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! Let's check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What is he done? Crazy Cooter coming at you. <laughs> Scott! Yeah! Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? Whoa! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... You sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, mid-Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblin here with my producer, Boston Rob. Another big Monday and big sports weekend here in Michigan. Rob, college football never stops. Sometimes it just slows down a tick. And after one of the biggest weekends of the season... Now we have the transfer portal. We have recruiting as we near the December signing date. We have coaching changes. And and today is the deadline for voting for the Heisman Trophy. I'm very happy to have a special guest with us who can tell us all about that. Tim Henning, Associate Director of the Heisman Trophy Trust in New York. Tim, how are you? Doing great, Jack, and yourself. <laughs> A uh, big day for you, but uh, aren't they all this time of year? <laughs> this this time of year, yep. Do you know uh, roughly what percentage of ballots came in over the weekend? How many were early? How many are last minute? Can you judge that? No, actually we don't. So essentially the way it works is once I hand over the names of the electors over to the, the team at Deloitte, who's kind of our independent accounting you know, firm that tabulates the ballot. They handle everything, and with the exception of letting us know who the four finalists are in alphabetical order, and then obviously writing up the envelope with the winner for Saturday night, uh, we don't really get much details until after all the voting uh, has been tabulated. And when do you turn over that list of the voters? I know as a state representative for Michigan, uh, I had to submit a list, and we talked about that. But yep. when does all that information go to Deloitte? Uh, that goes uh, – I sent it over about two weeks ago. Um, okay. The ballots just went out this past uh, this past Monday. Uh, so it gives them about a week to upload everything into their system, to cross-check all the names and email addresses and uh, cell phone numbers to make sure that everything is right. Uh, so I guess uh, Deloitte got everything about two weeks ago. And there's a little bit of a new system for voting this year, Correct. Right? Correct. Yes, there is. Uh, and some, uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a, lot of, a lot of positive reviews and some that are saying that's a little bit more complicated. But the reality yeah. is Deloitte put this new system in place just to ensure uh, and protect the actual vote and make sure everything uh, was secure uh, from, a, I guess, a cybersecurity perspective. When I found out about this, Tim, I went back through the Michigan list, mm-hmm. and I divided them basically into three categories. Uh, oh, that person will like this. Uh, <laughs> that person will be able to handle this. And yep. this person will probably be calling me. <laughs> 
And how many phone calls did you get, Jack? Uh, three. <laughs> okay. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, uh, could I mean, have been worse. I thought yeah, I'd get five. Sure. I got three. But we still have, uh, you know, we got an hour to go here. So still got, uh, still got a little bit of time. Yeah, no, yeah. thankfully we have a great team that we work with at Deloitte, and they did anticipate that uh, some of the voters might have some issues. So they've had a, uh, a team pretty much on standby 24-7 manning a hotline so that if any voters had any issues, they could call this uh, number, get verified, and uh, the, the team at Deloitte could walk the electors through to make sure they get their votes in. So if the last few votes come in this afternoon, when it's all said and done, uh, how many voters? And mm-hmm. uh, there's one fan vote, right? Correct. Yep. So we have a total of 929 voters broken down, uh, 870 of which are media voters, uh, individuals that, as you know, must actively be covering college football, either on a uh, local, regional, or national basis. Doesn't matter whether they're from whether they're from print, broadcast, or electronic media. But 870 media, we break that down into six sections, so there's no sectional favoritism. Uh, and then every former living Heisman Trophy winner has a vote, of which there's 58 of them right now, uh, and one overall fan vote that we do uh, thanks to our good partnership with Nissan. Uh, and Nissan has a ESPN that helps them, uh, you know, with that vote. So that's one fan vote that goes into the overall tabulation with the other uh, 928 for a grand total of 929 voters this year. Of the 929 possible, Tim, Mm -hmm. um, how many non-votes are there in a given year? I suppose it changes from year to year, but uh, do you get 10, 20, 40? How many don't vote? So traditionally it's, uh, you know, our voting we normally get around a 96 percent um, okay. voting rate. Okay. So the exact number there, I can't tell you the math off the yeah. top of my head, but normally about 96 percent of our voters uh, make sure to get their vote in each year. And then we always get those, uh, you know, last-minute emails that folks that have either just missed the deadline or are traveling or yeah. uh, sometimes in the case of a breaking news uh, deal, depend- depending on where the voters are, they may obviously have other obligations the day that the votes are due. But I know so many electors take this so seriously, and, uh, you know, they right. use their best efforts to always get their votes in. Yeah, I'm always impressed, and uh, this year, no exception, the mm-hmm. diligence of the voters, and uh, they are paying attention. Yeah. They're not just, you know, waking up and saying, oh, geez, today's Heisman Day. Who should I vote for? Sure. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, if some people couldn't wait if they had had the chance to vote earlier, they probably would have done that, although I, I tried to tell them that you don't need to do that. You can wait until after the conference championship games. That's why the deadline is what it is. Sure. Once the votes are all submitted to Deloitte, when do you get the four finalists? So we'll get the four. So the voting deadline is 5 p.m. tonight, and then uh, we traditionally will get the names of the four finalists uh, about an hour or so after that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the finalists will be announced um, tonight sometime between 6 and 8 p.m. on ESPN okay. Monday Night Countdown. Uh, yeah. But Deloitte will, you know, let us know that, you know, all the voting hasn't been officially tabulated yet, but based on the votes that have come in and uh, whatever process that they, they use, they're able to tell us who the top vote for earners are. Um, you know, they tell us in alphabetical order, and that's how they are announced uh, traditionally by a Heisman Trophy winner on ESPN during the Monday Night Countdown show this evening. 
Okay, so uh, they have those four names based kind of like an election uh, projection of who is going to win a race. Uh, they don't have 100% of the votes in, but they know enough that they can very, very, Exactly, very similar to, to an election projection. It, it, that's a great analogy. Okay. So when you have the four, mm-hmm. uh, then everyone is in the midst of discussion if they aren't already. Um, I've tried to tell everyone who's voting in the state of Michigan that you cannot go on the radio or write something about your vote sure. until after the announcement. And then you can write as much as you want about it. Correct. But there are people who, eh, you know, it's so hard for them not to do that. And so some of them talk among each other. Others are very secretive about this. Yeah. I mean, I know people who tell me their Social Security number, but they won't tell me. <laughs> they won't tell you who they voted for. No. Sure. No. Yep. And then I had somebody else who, who gave me names and said, this is what I'm thinking of. Do you think I'm an idiot? And I said, well, I think you're an idiot, but not for this. So <laughs> That's great. No, but as you said before, Jack, so many of our voters are so diligent and, and take, take the process so seriously and, you know, have so much respect for the Heisman Trophy and, uh, you know, they're, they're great to work with. So, uh, yeah, you know, different electors, different, different, uh, different philosophies. Right. One of the things uh, here in the state of Michigan, Tim, and, mm-hmm. and this is nothing to do with you or sure. the Heisman Trust. This has to do with the voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, Kenneth Walker III uh, not making the Heisman finalist list. I believe he was sixth, not fifth. Mm-hmm. And then he went on. He did win the Walter Camp Award. Uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you have you have different awards that are in the country. Some of them are a little bit of a duplicate, but they don't have the cachet of the Heisman. Uh, I remember very clearly coming to the Waldorf in the '80s for a couple of Heisman ceremonies, and okay. both times Lorenzo White finished fourth. But there were five candidates there. Uh, was this a TV decision? What was the choice that it had to be four and not three or five? Uh, I would say there's not. I couldn't give you one exact reason. For many years, we were inviting anywhere from three to six finalists into New York. Okay. We traditionally yeah. had done it based on a voting gap. Uh, every year, yes. when the when the tabulation comes in, there's, there was always you know anywhere from three to six individuals that got the bulk of the votes, and then there was yeah. traditionally a gap before the next one. Um, And then over the course of time, you know, for a myriad of different reasons, not just television at all, um, but just in terms of, like, planning and whatnot, uh, we decided to to move forward and and solidify the fact that going forward we would just invite um, four finalists in each year. Um, You know, you mentioned television. Like I said, that was one of many factors that came into the decision-making. But the truth of the matter is, you know, on a one-hour show, you only have about, what, 43 minutes of airtime, and to really give six finalists due time in, in a 43-minute show while also, you know, recognizing the history of the award, the anniversary winners, the other Heisman Trophy winners, right. giving time for the winner to give a speech, etc. So much needs to be packed into those 43 minutes um, that, you know, four was a nice number that can give each of those four guys uh, their due time on the show. It enabled us to plan uh, appropriately from um, hotel room perspective and, and ticket perspective. Yeah. Also, for, for a myriad of reasons, we had decided uh, a few years ago going forward it would be it would be four, four finalists. And Tim, you know that if 
uh, fan base uh, favorite candidate is not invited, they're going to say, ah, what a dumb award. Who cares about the Heisman Trophy? And if their guy wins, uh, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. You know that. Sure. And, and people's minds sometimes change uh, annually. <laughs> <laughs> And we right. understand what? that, but the reality that's 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 what makes college football the great thing it is, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. this, this debate, this discussion, um, you know, who's going to win, who might be invited. That's just it's all part of the fun, you know, that that makes college football, you know, the great sport it is. Well, I can tell you, having voted since the mid nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had the exact order of finish right, and a lot of people kind of try to predict that on their ballot uh i don't and i just look at it and say okay well this guy is the best football player i saw this year this guy certainly is one of the top three players i saw this year and if everyone else likes somebody else you know good for them but when the announcement is made that on saturday it's not something that the heisman trophy trust has found out that morning uh, not much danger of leakage with Deloitte, right? No, definitely not. No, they take it very seriously. Um, as I always tell people, my job would be a heck of a lot easier if I uh, if I knew the name of the winner a little bit in advance. But I find out the same time that everybody else in this country finds out, uh, with the exception, I think of I think it's two auditors that that finalize the tabulation of the ballot. With the exception of those individuals, no one else knows the name of the winner until that envelope is opened up live during the televised ceremony. Do you remember the last time that you guessed wrong or that you've been surprised by the announcement? Oh. Some of them are pretty you know, clear. Yeah, Others you know, there, there, there are definitely some years where there seems to be a clear front runner. Um, and, you know, there, there are some that, that aren't. Um, off the top of my head, can I can I? Tell you an exact year? No, um, I can't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. That you know, to me, it's 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 always exciting, regardless of who wins. I, you know, I think, you know, even in recent years, it's for some people, finding out who the finalists are is are almost as exciting as finding out who the winner is. Uh, yeah. In some years, there has been a clear front runner, and everyone yeah. kind of knows that that individual is going to win, but no one knows who the second, third, and fourth place guys exactly. are going to be and who those finalists are going to be so there's a you know there's always a little bit of juggling but always a lot of excitement yeah and i think that might be the case this year i think there is a front runner but uh who knows who's going to be two three and four and i think it's a little bit like uh final four in basketball tim uh you know you, you you've always got that on your resume you're in mm-hmm. the final four absolutely Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, you know, through my travels, you know, throughout the country during the year, I oftentimes, you know, run into former finalists that sometimes are now maybe, uh, you know, an assistant coach or working at their alma mater or, you know, maybe yeah. playing uh, in the pros. And, you know, if I recognize them, they recognize me, they'll still say, you know, it was still one of the highlights of, of my college days was when I got to fly up to New York and be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Um, even though they may not have won it, won it, uh, I think we always, you know, we pride ourselves in making sure it's a top uh, top class weekend for our, all of our invited and finalists. Tim, uh, the closest race ever, and the biggest runaway runaway were. 
Oh, now you, now you have me. Uh, now you have me. Uh, in the closest race ever, I'd have to look that up. And normally, I have this data uh, off the top of my tongue, but uh, I think I know the answer. Today's a different day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I know the answer because uh, there's still a debate going on here mm-hmm. in the Midwest. And in 1985, uh, Bo Jackson edged Chuck Long. Okay. And uh, there were a lot of candidates who were close. There were four who got. Uh, a significant number of votes, including Lorenzo White of Michigan State, who was fourth. And Chuck sure. Long, to this day, blames Lorenzo White for costing him the Heisman based on uh, regionalism, which I think was more then than it is now. But Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I agree. You had people from the Midwest. They would see players from the Midwest. Now everyone sees everyone. Yep. And yeah. And so I actually think so. So what? Eighty-five that you're referring to uh, with Bo and Chuck Long. I want to say it was a difference of about forty-five points in the total voting. Yeah. Uh, but I actually think that was surpassed in '09 with Mark Ingram and Toby Gerhardt. Um, oh, I want okay. to say. I yeah. want to say that margin was was okay. less than like thirty points. Um, wow. But yeah. And that was the first Heisman Trophy for Alabama. Believe it. Or Correct. Not. Correct. Yeah. When you think of the history. They've, gone on, they've now, gone on to win a whole bunch since then. That's right. Now they have yeah. the Heisman House commercial with all the Alabama guys in the house <laughs> and the elephant, right? Yeah. Elephant in the room. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Funny how that Good was. Stuff. And Toby Gerhardt uh, from Stanford. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people, other than that, would not know Toby Gerhardt, but his name gets brought up again as people start to go through the Heisman list. Every year, and that's a good thing. Sure. I remember yeah. uh, Barry Sanders <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with his Heisman win, and he was busy that day. Yes, I've heard. I've heard the story. I don't recall the particular details. That was before my time here at Heisman, but I've yeah. heard the stories. Uh, I know there have been other, you know, uh, finalists that were won that weren't even in the country. I want to say. Uh, he was one. Was Andre Ware might have been playing overseas the day he won. You know, the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, these days that, that hasn't happened in years. But, you know, back in the day. It, the, was, it was very different, different when very different. Yep. was made, uh, uh, talking to some of the Ohio State guys, uh, Archie Griffin and, and uh, guys like that. He's the only two-time winner, of course. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you get a phone call or, you know, somehow you're made aware. You're not sitting in New York in the front row waiting to hear your name called. Exactly. Yeah, we just started inviting the finalists in, I want to say 1981. But prior to that, uh, yeah, it was oftentimes a phone call uh, where one of the representatives of the downtown athletic club that used to give out the trophy pre-9-11 uh, would call the athletic director's office or the school president's office and uh They'd find the athlete in whatever class he was in or if it was at practice, wherever he was, have him go into the athletic director or head coach's office, and then he'd get the news over the phone. I've also definitely changed from, since then. <laughs> I've also heard from a couple of athletes who said that uh, they've heard of shenanigans where guys' buddies would call them uh, on that day and say, hey, congratulations, guys, or something like that. Obviously now. This thing has, uh, has evolved to a point. Uh, what's next for the Heisman Trophy Trust? I know that uh, you've got a Heisman Trophy traveling around the country now. 
you've got uh, the show, uh, you've got a commercial campaign based on this. Where do you take sure. this? Yeah, so it's funny that you ask that. What, what we've started doing is we're working with a company now to really showcase everything that the Heisman Trophy Trust does, quote, one on the trophy. Uh, and that's kind of one of our campaigns that we plan on rolling out this year uh, because so many people don't know the Heisman Trophy Trust is a charitable organization, and we give out over $2.5 million every year throughout the country to underprivileged youth groups um, that have a tie-in with athletics and academics. Uh, we give out our Heisman Humanitarian Award to someone in the sports world that gives selflessly. Uh, and then we also have our, our Heisman High School Scholarship Program, which honors a male and female um, national high school player for their academics, their community service, and their athletics. And a lot of people don't know of those, that aspect of what the Heisman Trust does, but uh, the goal moving forward in 2023 is for us to, to highlight a lot of those stories um, because, uh, you know, there's really some great organizations that we help and some great kids, um, and, you know, we're doing good things. And, you know, a lot of people like to know about that stuff. In this day and age, uh, everyone needs to hear a good story about, uh, you know, a nice impact that, that an organization is having. Well, uh, we will learn the Heisman Trophy finalists this evening, as you said. Correct. And then yep. what time is the show on Saturday? The show is 8. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night on ESPN. And uh, they are done at 9, uh, regardless of how good or bad the interviews are with the players, right? It's uh, fixed time. <laughs> well, well, the announcement of the winner, I want to say, is normally about 10 to 9 p.m., and then uh, the, the the winner has a little bit of time to give a speech. And sometimes if the winner goes a little bit over, sometimes okay. the winner goes a little bit over. <laughs> okay, yeah. They're not going to pull the guy off the stage with a hook at that point. Uh, there's, there's no hook and there's no orchestra that's going to start playing over him. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure working with you and having you Definitely, on you as well. Absolutely. Tim thanks Hattie. so much. All the best. All right. He is Associate Director of the Heisman Trophy Trust. And, Rob, I've been doing this for more than 35 years uh, as a state representative, a state chairperson. And uh, we have 25 votes. We have 52 people, 52, in the state of Michigan who have been deemed qualified and willing to vote. And uh, we have identified them, and some of them are on a waiting list. And some of them will never leave the waiting list. (laughs) But we did have three new voters this year, so 22 holdovers, and three new voters. We'll be right back with more coming up on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out at Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. 
If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, they have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Eblin here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall. Or Spartan fan shop. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblin here with my producer, Boston Rob. 
So much happened in football over the weekend, including football with the U. I, and I don't mean the University of Miami. I mean uh, what we call soccer and uh, Team USA bowing Saturday to Netherlands, mm-hmm. three to one. For some people, that means it's kind of like uh, election time. Uh, we'll see in four years. Correct. For others, it's uh, something that just piques some interest, and they'll be following the World Cup closely. Yep. Rob, you follow soccer that way? Yeah, I'll follow it. The women's team will uh, be going at their World Cup in about 268 days from now, Jack. Yeah. So put mark uh, that down on the calendar. But not only soccer or football, but we have uh, the transfer portal, as you mentioned, going oh yeah. hot and heavy. Oh yeah. Oh, with yeah. some names in there. And then we have the winter meetings in baseball. Justin right? Verlander has a new home in New yeah. York with the Mets, thanks to a two-year, $86 million deal or $88 He's million the new deal. Jacob DeGrom, Re- reuniting right? with Max Scherzer. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Tigers fans, does that mean they're going to love the Mets or they're going to hate the Mets? Mm, interesting question. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of interesting questions, and we have an interesting guy to answer them. Let's welcome in Bob Trippy, longtime State of Michigan sports writer with the Associated Press and other wire services. And he is, of course, our director of research for this show, uh, our human database. Bob, uh, what about soccer for you? Do you care? You know, I watch, I watch some of it and everything. If you remember uh, back in the 90s, uh, they had World Cup. Uh, games over sure. at uh, uh, the Pontiac Silverdome, and uh, I got to I got to cover those. It was uh, yeah. Russia. What was it? Russia, Brazil, yeah. uh, Sweden, and was it the U.S.? I think. Yeah, there there were four teams there, and it was, it was an, a very unusual experience to say the least. Because I remember that they didn't give us any translators when you know they no. had the Russians and all that. You stood in uh, behind this roped off area, yes. and that, and the players yes. were there. But if you didn't know Russian, right. didn't <laughs> so well, there so was a, a, a zone, kind of like a, a pen or a corral, yeah, yeah, where they would bring the guys in, and we'd be all along the ropes. Uh, I was so bad at covering soccer for Gannett. I was part of this dream team they assembled, and I didn't really want to do it. But um, anyway. Uh, They said, you know less about soccer than anyone who is covering this sport. So why don't you get someone to sit by you and make you sound less ignorant? And so I called Joe Baum, and Mm. he was thrilled. He thought he just won the lottery. Uh, But after uh, about two days, they said, you know what? I think you should just write feature stories because we like your writing, but we don't like uh, you know, you don't know the terminology. You, you embarrass yourself with too much editing involved. <laughs> so so uh, I wound up doing stories about the Brazilian, uh, I don't call them a mob, that's Buffalo, uh, the group that had come, large group that had come to the U.S. to watch Brazil. And there were some incredible stories and amazing parties associated with that. So. Uh, Let me ask you guys this real quick before we get on to other news. Uh, The World Cup in 2026 is actually coming back to the United States. It is. Some will be played in Mexico, and also some will be played in Canada. 
Obviously, yeah. uh, my hometown of Boston will be represented well. They'll have some games there. Yeah. Does that pique your interest for 2026 even a little bit more, that it's going to be happening, most of the games will be happening here? No. No. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. No. No. Don't. Moving on. <laughs> but I find, Bob, that uh, people are divided into three groups on soccer. There are those who wish it would go away. There were those who are very casual uh, and, you know, maybe they'll watch a World Cup final. And they'll watch Team USA. They'd watch the USA do anything. And then there are those who are fanatics. And I know a lot of the fanatics, and there's some in the media, who, like, take their vacation time and go and watch uh, Premier League games. Graham Couch is one of those. Um, Jeremy Sampson was one of those. Uh, Dave Ackerley. You know, people like that. You know who loves soccer? He loves everything. He's one of the most complete sports fans. I mean, you can name any sport and he'll tell you about it. Darian Harris. Oh, wow. I mean, you want to talk about uh, UFC, uh, any combat sport, soccer, you know, Olympic. He knows. He watches it, and it drives him nuts that uh, the players, and especially he talks about it as a younger generation, uh, Darian, it hasn't, hasn't been that long, really. Uh, <laughs> they don't care. They don't watch. Uh, they don't watch the World Series. They don't watch other things that don't involve them the same way that, obviously, he did. Well, well, I, w- I watch the women's soccer more than I watch the men's soccer, and it's because yeah. I think with the men's soccer, I think there's a lo- it's too dramatic. Some of these players, they flop. They, you know, they're constantly complaining. Yeah. I think women's soccer is the purest, the purest soccer you could possibly get. They're out there. They're doing their job. And I think the United States team is one, you know, a fun one to watch. You know, I, I know actually some of the players on the team from watching them. I mean, I don't know personally, but I couldn't, I couldn't name any of the the players on the U S team. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's a familiarity type thing and all that, but I, I'm, I've watched uh, watched a couple games and I watch them flop. I watch them argue with the ref. I'm like, oh, you know, okay. Let's look like back to basketball game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So interesting stuff, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Darian says that uh, it's going to be France and Argentina uh, with the Netherlands lurking. They would be the third team. Uh, he did that last night on press pass. So we've got hmm. his picks anyway. I want to talk a little bit about what happened Saturday, and I guess Friday night, if you want to count Utah's second win over USC, the Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. And we have our football four. We have the college football playoff semifinalists. Uh, Were you surprised by anything that happened? Um, I really wasn't surprised with the Utah-USC game. I, I... kind of had a funny feeling and then when uh, Caleb Williams ended up getting injured I thought uh there, there goes any chance I think of USC winning that game I, I did not USC think had a big lead they were up yeah yeah I know, but, yeah but but look what happened they just couldn't yeah. they were a different team once they ended up getting injured and everything and uh yeah. you, Utah you know we saw what Utah did to Ohio State last year for three quarters of the of the Rose yeah. Bowl and uh you know right. they're uh, they're a very good team. You know anybody who's not seen Utah, they're yeah. uh, they're a team to be reckoned with. Then um, I would put Kyle Whittingham of Utah 
in my group of the three best coaches in college football. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I, you know, you just look at what he's done, and unfortunately, they haven't, uh, you know, been able to get into the playoffs because I think they can, they can stir up some trouble, maybe more so than TCU. You know, TCU, uh, you know, that was that was a game, an unbelievable game that we saw on Saturday, yes. and yes. Uh, um, Max Duggan, wow. Yes, yes, I uh, I do like Max Duggan. Uh, he is he is one of the top three quarterbacks in, in the country. And uh, uh, I think it'll be interesting when they have the Heisman uh, uh, finalists there in New York. I would think he might be one of them. You know, I mean, he's, yeah. he engineered that comeback, you know, because it, yeah. it looked like they were going to get... his legs. Bleeding. Yeah. Just yeah. leave the field. Getting the snot knocked out of him. And... It, it looked to me like they were going to just get, you know, Blown out, blown out, but boy, he just, you know, kept kept them in the game, and like you said, you know, he he did what he needed to do to get them in a position to tie the game up and all that, and um, you know, TCU, uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised that they ended up staying in the top four. I, I kind of figured that that was going to happen because then that was. Did you, you think know. they might drop to four? Um. Yeah, I, I thought that you know the way that uh, the, the playoff committee is. I thought that maybe Ohio State might you know jump and you know end up being number three, and, and that, then that way they'd have that big Michigan Ohio State uh, rematch. We know what and all Boo that. Corrigan says when they have the uh, college football playoff press conferences each week. But do you think that they even took that into consideration that? They did not want uh, an all-Big Ten semifinal. Some people said they would want it. A lot of people said that they would not want it. Do you think that's even a factor? Well, they didn't do it last year with Georgia and Alabama. It's the same type of scenario, if you recall well, they didn't have correctly. A choice. That, right, that, that was yeah. a, a championship game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas this way, you know, they could have matched them up in the semis, but they didn't. I mean, you know, I don't think that comes into play at all. But I'll tell you what. Okay. If Ohio State ends up playing Michigan in the national championship game, yeah. uh, I can tell you that that the network folks are going to be extremely happy, and it'll probably be the most watched uh, national championship football game in history. You know, they already yeah. drew 17 million in a regular season bout, and could you just imagine when all the marbles are on, you know, on the table for for the national championship with those two teams, and you know. We'll have to listen for an entire week of all the stuff going back and forth between the two schools, and it's you know it's just crazy the way it worked out that Ohio State is back in it, and uh, the question is is how many of the guys who are out of the the game, you know, for the regular season uh, matchup will actually be back. We know that Jackson uh, Smith and Jibba is uh, um, he is not going to play. He's already. They already announced today that he is going to concentrate on getting healthy, and uh, he's not going to play in that game. So, but is Travion Henderson going to be there? Uh, I would think he probably will be. You know, yeah. but you know. Well, you feel bad for Ohio State. They don't have enough receivers. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Their, their third three, third string receiver probably could start on most Big Ten teams. You know. Um, but uh, receiver. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at those receivers. Though, but 
you know, the the top two are probably first round picks. You know, yeah. I mean, so that was after last year they had two first round picks, and if you want to count Jamison Williams, who was there, I have a great picture of Jamison Williams, uh, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson uh, celebrating a touchdown at Spartan Stadium in the end zone from two years ago. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, if they were on the same team. You know, it's yeah. the talent. Our pick the nearly talent won, you know, after each other last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm not feeling sorry for them. they got a hell of a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, Michigan Michigan did what they needed to do, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the regular season now. Yeah. It's uh, basically if, if, if they end up matching up and all that, uh, I, can just, I can just imagine how crazy things are going to be. It's, oh. You know, but could you imagine the angst in the state of Ohio <laughs> and yeah. what it'd be like? And I mean, Ryan Day, his his Buckeye career is on the line here. I suppose if he yeah. beats Georgia, that will help him a lot. But I wouldn't want to lose to Michigan three times in thirteen months no. as a coach of the Ohio State University. No, no, that that I don't know. I don't know how that'll play out over there, but I can imagine it will not play out very well. There's an interesting story that nobody's picked up on. You know, I, I have searched in that the Big Ten is going to reap a windfall with this. They're going to yeah. get $12 million, $6 million per team for just having these two teams in there. This, you know, it, it's one thing if you get one team and it's $6 million, you know, for the conference. They're getting $12 million. You know, so, and then you look at the other teams that are in the other bowl games. You know, you got Penn State that's in the uh, New Year's Six, so there's a nice payout there, too. So, um, yeah, the Big Ten is, is reaping millions, you know, from, yeah. from this particular bowl season. Uh, they don't get any more if one of the two teams makes it to the national championship game. Um, but, um, you know, what are they going to do with the money? That's, that's the big thing. I mean, they, well, I know start... what they do with the money. They divide it. Well, I, they exactly. divide it, I, I, I want to say, 15 ways. 15. 14 teams and one share. To the conference office. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, wait a minute, we yeah. didn't have anybody last week, did we? <laughs> no, no but, but, but when you think about yeah. twelve million, Bob, if that is the number, and I've heard it might be a little more than that, there's another two something million that can be tacked onto that. But let's say it's twelve million. That's hundred and twenty times more than the fine that Michigan State's going to pay for the tunnel. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Don't get me started on that craziness. <laughs> you know, no, you're going to go off on a Mozzie Smith rant, right? Uh-oh. We don't uh, no, no. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot on that one. So I already um... <laughs> did that last night on Press Pass, talking about uh, university offering a Ph.D. in hypocrisy. So uh, uh, my, my views are pretty well known. Okay. Yeah, as far as, yeah. <laughs> as far as what we have now with uh, the Big Ten schools, and a lot of people don't understand that, okay? Uh, you think, well, Big Ten schools, are they rooting against a certain school? The fan base might be rooting against schools. But the institutions are rooting for every Big Ten school. Because if you are the president or the director of athletics at Indiana University or Rutgers or Maryland or Minnesota, whatever school, especially some of the schools, Purdue, that, uh, you know, they're, they're actually a participant in the championship game, and now they're looking for a new coach. 
But when you think about that money coming into those coffers, that's a lot of money. That's not a lot of money for Ohio State or Michigan. It's not a lot of money for Penn State. But it's a lot of money for most of those schools and for about half of them. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, well, a week. It's a week it, of their budget. It's like an early Christmas present to them because you can't yes. budget for that. You, I mean, when you're working on your budget, you don't put that in there saying, well, right. we're going to get X number of dollars from the Big Ten right. from the bowl. That's right. That's right. This, is, this is like, hey, Michigan State, look what we've got for you. Right. You know, and it's like now – what do you do with the money in Michigan State now that you got the money? I mean, you know, I know there's going to be increased pressure to, you know, maybe bring the swimming team back. I, I don't know. I don't know what Alan Haler is going to do with that money, but I'm sure he was he was grinning, you know, even yeah. though he didn't want to see Michigan, you know, in in the playoffs, I'm sure he's grinning yeah. saying, well, this is nice. This is a nice to have after yeah. after what we went through the last couple of years with COVID and all that and not having the revenue that we did, this all of a sudden is nice to have. And so now you can right. do some other things. So, um, and you're going to get another windfall once this new contract, this new media rights right. contract goes into place. So, um, you know, the big 10 is going to cash cow, you know, going on here and uh, right. um, they should just be happy, but you know, Am I one of the ones who's rooting for the Big Ten? No, not really. <laughs> I'm actually rooting for Georgia. What I saw from Georgia, really, I, I do not think that any team that plays them, whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, or TCU, uh-huh. is is going to beat Georgia. They just they've okay. got it all. They've got defense. They've got offense. Brock Bowers, uh, I, I love as a tight end. You know, I, I just love him yeah. as a tight end. And then Bennett, the quarterback, just surprises the heck out of me that he's doing what he's doing. You walk know, on. Uh, yeah, walk, walk on. on. He went there without a scholarship. E- exactly. Oh. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, Georgia just really impresses me. What they did to LSU, uh, I was shocked. I expected a much closer game. They just beat the hell out of them. And well, <laughs> you know what happens if they win two more, Bob? Mm-hmm. They are back-to-back Big Ten champions. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true because they would end up. They beat yeah, Michigan last yeah, year. Last year, and yeah. then uh, they would have to beat Ohio State and probably the Wolverines. Uh, Michigan is a significant favorite, not a prohibitive favorite, but uh, more than a touchdown, close to ten points, favorite over TCU. So uh, they'd have to beat two Big Ten teams, and they'd be three and zero against the Big Ten in that span, and it'd uh, be the only team ever to be. Uh, Back-to-back, well, they weren't back-to-back SEC champions last year, actually, because they lost Alabama. So they would have more Big Ten championships than SEC championships. That's right. In those two years. And more national championships than SEC championships. Yeah, they've they've got the talent. Of of all the teams I've seen, you know, I, I watched that game pretty closely, you know, up until it got out of hand, and I was like, wow, this is just quite a team. You know, they've really put it together, and uh, you got to give them credit. And um, it, it should be a fun game seeing them in Ohio State. I, I'll i be shocked if Ohio State ends up beating them. I'll be totally shocked. Are you so, expected to be Georgia-Michigan in the championship game? Well, I think or you have to. Or did you see enough from TCU to make you think that if uh, 
Max Duggan is 100% and they get some other players back, look out. Well, I mean, TCU is a good team. I just don't know, you know, if yeah. if they could match up yeah. with 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 Michigan. I I I think Michigan. Granted, that first half of the Michigan Purdue game, I thought Michigan uh, plays a lot of mediocre first halves. Yeah, they are the best team in football it, in the second the half. second half. They're incredible in the second half. I I think if if you're TCU and you can get a uh, you know a lead on them in the in the first half. Maybe that changes things up, and Michigan has you to play maybe a different a style. The first yeah, you, you have to. You have to, because I think if, if you do that, maybe you get Michigan out of that rhythm that they get into in the second half. And who knows? But um, TCU is a good team. I mean, yeah. they did you know, did what they needed to do in the regular season and, you know, in, in the Big 12. So, yeah. um, and you know what TCU would be in a matchup with Alabama? A 10-point underdog. I got Isn't this it? from uh, a Vegas odds maker over the weekend. It said that if Bama got in, or if they'd had a, a play-in game for that spot, Bama would be a big favorite. I would have loved to see Alabama end up uh, matching up against Michigan, but it wasn't going to happen no matter which way you looked at it. But I yeah. thought Nick Saban and, and Jim Harbaugh, Oh, that would have been worth the oh, price yeah, of admission. Great. <laughs> well, Nick Saban was doing his best lobbying, and he knew it wasn't going to work. I mean, you could see kind of the grin on his face, and he looked like he was getting ready to do another Aflac commercial. But <laughs> uh, when you when you think about the pitch he made, uh, it reminded me of Scott Frost after the Orange Bowl in uh, 1997, and that one worked. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, dividing the national championship, the coaches wound up voting for Nebraska for the third time in in four years. Hey, how about Deion Sanders taking the job now at Colorado and talk about a buzz. He's got four stars, five stars, portal guys calling him. He's already addressed the team and told them, uh, a lot of you get ready to hit the portal because <laughs> – when you leave, it's just going to mean one more spot. We don't want you. We're bringing our I, own guys. He brings his son in, okay, and says, by the way, here's your new quarterback. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, it, it, when I saw the video of him yeah. talking to the team yeah. and basically yeah. telling them, you know, that you need to, you know, you better strongly consider the portal and all that, I'm thinking, yeah. Who does that? Who tells an entire team, know. you know, to, to do, do that? Do you know what the name, image, and likeness money is today at Colorado compared to what it was a week ago? It's well, ten times what it was. Yeah, they hardly had anything a week ago. And, you know, it was funny because, you know, when the question was brought up in the press conference about, well, you know, where do you stand with the NIL money, they said, well, we don't have it right now, and you know, but but we'll have it, you know, going forward. And it's like, yeah. you know, even 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 to pay, you know, Dion, you know, the coach there, they didn't have the money, you know, that that's just not the kind of money that they have it in Colorado. But yeah, all of a sudden now, you know, it's like, okay, let's yeah, you know, let's keep our eyes on uh, Colorado and see who they bring in. But my dear friend, the late Earl Robinson used to say, run with the big dogs or stay on the porch. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty clear that Colorado, after being a bottom feeder, has decided they're going to run with the big dogs. They might not be at the front of the pack, 
But uh, they're going to try to do the same thing that Michigan State faced that decision. That doesn't mean that you always win. But if you don't, if you try to do it on the cheap, then you really have to catch lightning in a bottle to win. Mark D'Antonio did that a couple times. Michigan State wasn't really doing it on the cheap, but they weren't funded the way that, uh, you know, they are now with Mel Tucker. Well, and I think the big question now is, how you know, how is he going to build this team? Obviously, it's going to be mostly through the portal, you know, based off of what, you know, what what we're seeing and everything where, you know, these guys are all of a sudden interested in going to Colorado. And um, so that's something to keep yeah. an eye on. And I see even some of the recruits, you know, oh, yeah. they're, oh, they're yeah. already. You get four and five-star know. recruits. Yeah. Yeah. You get decommits, guys who. You know, they're intrigued by that. They're enchanted by Deion Sanders. So he's, he's one of a kind in terms of a magnetic personality. Uh, a lot of people thought Jim Harbaugh would be that when he came to Michigan. And, and the recruiting has been good, but it hasn't been the uptick that uh, you're going to see at Colorado. They're going to go from nothing. You know, you don't go from 60th to 10th uh, with the hiring of a coach very often. How about uh, Purdue? They make it to the Big Ten championship game. They're one point behind at the half. And uh, pretty tough 48 hours afterward. Get their doors blown off in the second half. And then now they got to deal with the coaching change. Yeah, that one kind of caught me by surprise. I thought that, you know, with, with what, you know, Jeff Brown was, was building over there, that, yeah. you know, he would be – Staying put for a while, but um, obviously, I guess he wanted you know to go elsewhere. I mean, his court. People I thought he was going to go to Louisville the last time. Yeah, and then I remember came that in with a big offer or a, as big an offer as you ever thought you'd see from Purdue. They don't pay coaches that way, and uh, he liked it there, you know. But Louisville, that's home. It's where he and his brother played, and uh, you know it seems like such a natural fit. But now, what does that mean for Purdue? What does it mean for Ron English, the defensive coordinator, who'd been speculated as a head coaching candidate a bunch of places, uh, even including Michigan at one point, although I don't think that was ever going to happen. Uh, but, you know, who are they going to bring in at Purdue? That's, that's another question we'll have to watch here as signing day approaches. And, Bob, as the portal really hits full speed, you follow this as closely as anyone, what can you tell us about the latest numbers? Oh, my God. You know, Jack, today's the first day that it's, where players officially can go into the portal. And as of yeah. 4 o'clock, there were 851 that oh, had already oh, put their names oh, in today. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, just amazing. It's just the names just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And so I was kind of keeping an eye on it. There's 71 Big Ten players currently in the portal in, in Maryland has 12 players already there. I, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I didn't think they were that bad this year, but 12 players already? Holy cow. And then the next is Nebraska, Nebraska and Indiana, both with nine. So there's a little bit of, you know, either house cleaning or players yeah. just wanting to move on to another another school. You know, Michigan State has five players in. You know, we right. today we had the, the Sean Mallory and Jalen Hunt go in. Um, we previously had uh, Jack Stone along with Michael Fletcher, and a lot of people forget Terry Lockett uh, Jr. was a wide receiver. He he did months ago, uh, I think just right. before the Ohio State game. Uh, you know, Michigan State, 
you and I were kind of chatting back and forth about this. Uh, defensive line has gotten hammered here. When you look at, you know, you, you're losing Mallory Hunt and Fletcher, and then Jacob Slade is, you know, he declared for the NFL draft. So that, there's four bodies right there. And, I want to clear one thing up about Jacob Slade. Because mm-hmm. now some people, uh, depending on the school, uh, report, well, so-and-so is leaving. He's not bolting. No. COVID gives everybody an extra year, but he's played his time. He's not leaving early. And Jacob Slade had such a good rating from Pro Football Focus a year ago, I was surprised he even came back. But he's been here his full length of time. And when someone chooses not to uh, use a COVID year, I don't think that's leaving early. Right, right. No, I. you know, like I said, he declared. He came right out and he says, I'm declaring yeah. for the NFL draft, just like yeah. Jaden Reed and Ben Van Suren yeah. and, and, and surprisingly, yeah. Jared Horst, you know. Um, right. Yeah, well, so you Jared got, Horst, that's you, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you got four guys, you know, that have declared there. But, you know, we're seeing, like, going back they're to They're not leaving said, early. They, no, they, they, they declared. They went through senior day. That's right. And that's, now, that's a, the other the, guys, so you talk about Hunt and and uh, Mallory and Michael Fletcher, now uh, they have some more eligibility uh, right. without COVID. Uh, so, you know, it would be interesting to see. One area where Michigan State was pretty deep, would have had to be deep to survive all the suspensions and injuries they had, was the defensive line. And I'm sure they'll bring in some more. And talking to some people over there, uh, they spend more time on the portal. Uh, you couldn't spend any more time uh, dealing with the portal and hitting refresh than they do uh, over at the Scandalaris Center. Well, today so, they probably have a very, a very sore finger because this thing oh. just is refreshing like crazy. Uh, you know, you could go out there right now, and within five minutes, there might be another 10, 15 names in there that are, that are yeah. going in there. And, and um, They've already done the scouting of who might go in, and once in a while they'll get a surprise. But they know a lot about these guys, and by the end of the day, uh, they'll know what they had for lunch. Well, you know, it's funny. I ended up going back to, you know, looking at uh, the numbers from last year. Did you realize that last year there were 8,210 football players who ended up going into the portal? Not not and, basketball, just football? Just football. Just football. And there's a cycle. It goes from August until um, it, August to July. It's August 1st to July 31st is considered the cycle. Um, and there were... 3,332 who found a new home. So that's 41% of the prospects found a, a new place. Uh, the other ones, we don't know where they ended up. I mean, Wait a minute, you got 59%? No, 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 no. Not... Oh, yeah, 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 59%. Right. 59% who did not find a new home? So did yes. they crawl back to where they were, or did they give well, up the sport and join the service? So, So remember this. And I'll use these two examples. Remember uh, Maha, how do you pronounce his name? Maha Ote Ote. Yeah, okay. There's there's one example. He came back. Ben Van Sumeren, remember, went into the portal. He ended up coming back. They went into the portal, and they came back. So they they do count. Yeah, Yeah. they looked around and all that. You know, this is, that's what happens with a lot of these guys. But a lot of them do not come back because teams fill those spots. And then is it like musical chairs? They just have no place to sit? 
Well, the, the thing that we don't know is, you know, did they go to a junior college? Did they go who knows where, you know, to, to play football at, at some different level? We don't know that. You know, we only know for those that ended up going, you know, into FBS or, you know, FCS, you know. Okay. And there, there's, okay. Um, we don't know because once, once they – Yeah, that, that's just it. So um, they're expecting this year's numbers to be higher than last year's numbers. So think of that. There's 8,200 last year. And we have there how are many so far today? 851 as of 4 p.m. You've already, you've already hit We're 10%, 10% there. Yes. In the first day. The but now, day. a year ago, you said there was this, this long window, right, the period, the cycle. Right. Now, you had to wait. You couldn't just do it. You, you couldn't just do it anytime you wanted. You couldn't officially do it until today. Correct. Right. And see, for these teams that are in the playoffs, now, you know, the question remains, you know, and this is where it could hurt them. They have to make a decision now if they want to stay with the team or whether they want to go into the portal. And, you know, we just saw Eric All today, the tight end from Michigan. He right. ended up going into the portal. And, well, you know, and Kay like, McNamara, yes. it wasn't as tough a decision for them because they're no. injured. They're not going to play anyway. Right. Right. So, you know, the thought, what people are thinking is he's probably going to end up in Iowa because of the fact that they have a very close relationship, and Iowa's known to develop tight ends. So, okay, let yeah. him go. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's very interesting to watch this, you know, and I, I envision, you know. Anybody I don't from have Ohio to, State go into the portal yet? Um, there, was, there was one player that ended up going in, and he was, uh, let's see, for Ohio State, uh, it is. Are you counting Jack Stone on this list, Bob? Yes. You are. Yeah, why? Is he not supposed no, to be? No, I'm, I'm just trying to make the make the numbers add up here uh, for Michigan State. Well, yeah, there's. Okay, well, hang on. You got Mallory Hunt, Stone, Fletcher, and Lockett. Okay. That's five, okay, right? Okay. okay, that's five. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, and, there was. And... Oh, go ahead. But Michigan State's going to add a boatload uh, out of this. They'll probably add, try to add more than they lose. And, right. And uh, based on the past two years, they've had one phenomenal success in Kenneth Walker the third. Some that were definite plus players, and some that were not effective, not contributors on the field yet. Uh, and I don't know that Michigan State lost many that they lost sleepover. I'm trying to think of of a player who transferred out from Michigan State that uh, you know really made him cry. No, there there really wasn't. You know where you'd say, oh, I wish he would have stayed with Michigan State. That that I'm not aware of of who you know who that player would be. But but there are some players out there. You know, depending on what they're they're yeah. looking for. I mean. Uh, a lot of running backs, a lot of quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, not, not yeah, not that they yeah. need a quarterback, but there's some interesting well, you ones wonder, out there. Uh, is Michigan State going to lose a quarterback? Well, that's, we don't know that. We don't know that. Yeah, I mean, while we do know that the ACC. What were you telling me? Six starting quarterbacks last year from the ACC are already yes. in the portal in day one. Yes. Six starting quarterbacks from ACC teams, and that would be for and that Pitt, doesn't you know, count. Uh, uh, Drew Pine, correct, 
correct. Because you're talking Pitt, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Boston College, NC State, and Virginia. Those quarterbacks have, wow. uh, are all. And Notre Dame played that uh, restricted ACC schedule. Uh, it's in ACC for everything else, but played, uh, you know, a certain number they have to play in the ACC. But uh, so that would that would be seven. If you yeah. want to count Notre Dame there. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing the talent that's out there. So you know, depending on what you need, it might be out there. What one player I'm really interested in to see where he ends up is Ray Davis uh, from Vanderbilt. He was, I think, the third or fourth leading rusher in the SEC this year, and he's in the portal. And uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's going to get a lot of offers, a lot of offers. He, he had over 1,200 yards this year. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a name to watch. I'll, I'll be very interested to see where he actually ends up going. So um, rumors maybe Kentucky. But we'll we'll see. You know, I'm sure that Michigan State is you know kept an eye on him. You know, but well, I'm wondering um, about uh, uh, you know the Mangum family has such a close tie with Michigan State and uh, Jaden Mangum and Jalen Mangum and and uh, you know you get one who's already here and one who was with Mel in Colorado and now there's a possible transfer a guy who goes from Colorado to UCF and now he's looking again. But I thought the the best name I've seen out of the portal, and I don't follow it as closely as you do, but uh, if you offered me one player out of the portal that I've seen so far, it would be that offensive lineman from Purdue. Oh, the uh, the one that I, I sent you before. He's, yep. The kid, yeah. That's, from Grand that's Rapids, a, right? He's, he's from Grand Rapids. And, oh, I'm trying to remember what his name is now, now that you got me. Um Spencer Halstead, yep, he, was, he has two years of eligibility remaining. He's a two-time All-Big Ten player. Uh, started 31. Two-time All-Big Ten from yeah. Purdue. Yes. 31 starts out of 32 games he's played in. Uh, zero sacks allowed this year and only two sacks allowed in three years. And they throw it a lot. I mean, when you get zero oh. sacks at <laughs> Purdue, that's different than zero sacks at Minnesota. He's graded by uh, PFF as the number one pass blocking guard in the Big Ten and number six in the nation yeah. by Pro Football Focus. If yeah. I, if I'm Mel, that's that's my number he'd be, one. He'd be the number one guy, guy. right there. Yeah, I, he I would be yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you've got a position that you could actually put him in. So you know, he's from Grand Rapids. Come on home. <laughs> go hey, to hey, Bob, uh, before we let you go. Uh, give me 30 seconds on what you saw yesterday at Ford Field from the Lions. Are they for real? Well, it's the first time that we've ended up seeing all the receivers being healthy, and I think yeah. that, that that has a lot to do with it. But this team is playing with uh, you know, a lot of energy. They're not making as many mistakes as they did in the past. So this is, yeah. a, this is almost like a playoff game Sunday against Minnesota. This is a make-or-break game where you know, if, if the Lions could end up winning this game, um. Yeah, they could potentially be for real because they could they could win the remainder of their games on the schedule if you look at the remainder of what they have to play. So, uh, huge game on Sunday, huge game, and Kirk Cousins unfortunately has you know the best the best games it seems against he he's in Detroit number you know for some yeah. reason and uh, this this is a team remember that the Lions were beating 
on the road earlier oh, yeah. this season, and, yeah. and and they gave it up there at the end. So yeah. um should be an exciting time at Ford Field. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yep, we'll talk to you soon. Bob Trippy, we'll be right back an hour or two with Audrey Dahlgren from WLNS Channel 6. She was in Columbus yesterday. And uh, Buckeyes getting the news that they are part of the college football playoff. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. 
Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Welcome back. It is a Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblen here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, our next guest is everywhere. And I don't mean a reference to uh, Christine McVie here. I'm talking about Friday night. We were at Mun Ice Arena and between periods. Uh, I'm down with Neil uh, looking for Manon Rayom, who we finally found. And there's Audrey Dahlgren. Okay, I'm not surprised. She's a hockey gal, and she's anywhere there's anything that happens in mid-Michigan. But then, Sunday, she's on BTN, right? And uh, she's at Ohio State, Columbus. Aud, I know you've done reporting. You've done sideline, and you have done other reporting for BTN. Can you tell us how this came about? Hey, Jack. Yeah, hope you're well today. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I just was contacted by, um, you know, BTN to, they were, well, at first initially how it came to be is that they were asking me if I'd be available for the weekend to go to Ann Arbor for whatever, you know, to be with Michigan when they found out their their spot in the college football playoff. And then when... um, they had learned that they were going to be staying in Indianapolis due to their late Big Ten championship game. Uh, they asked me if I was available to go to Columbus to for Ohio State. And so I said, absolutely. And uh, that's how I ended up in Columbus yesterday. Well, what was the mood? Can you describe it for those who didn't see your report? <laughs> yeah, so it was very interesting. Um, arrived at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center around 11 o'clock in the morning and it was pretty quiet in there. There were players, you know, steadily starting to roll in at about 11 o'clock. They didn't have a watch party uh, per se. It wasn't like they had, you know, this big extravagant thing planned out to come in and, and watch the selection show. But Ryan Day did want the players there to watch it, um, just to, to see with the anticipation. I mean, everybody after after USC lost and then – with uh, TCU losing as well, it really did open the door for sure. the Buckeyes. And um, he, he, he wanted everybody to, to be there, I guess, to see it. Um, it was interesting because when we, after, you know, seeing the, the players roll in, you know, there, was, there wasn't a lot of, you know, excitement. It was just sort of just, all right, what's going to happen here? I think everybody was, was sort of wondering what was going to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, they knew that they would be in, but, you know, and it was as one person uh, had, had mentioned to me, you know, we're not having a watch party because this isn't like this is our first NCAA basketball tournament. Right. So, right. <laughs> which like makes sense because, right, it's, I mean, they are no strangers to the college football playoff, especially under Ryan Day in his first year. They were in it. Second year, they made it all the way to the national championship game against Alabama in 2020. So three times in four years under Ryan Day now. But um, going back to sort of the mood of it all is we weren't allowed to, and that's why we, we were. That's why we couldn't. We didn't shoot it, and they didn't show any reaction of it on on Big Ten Network because that was that was the vibe of it. It was like you know we're not going to have you shoot this because it's not really a watch party. It's just he had requested that the players be there to to watch the selection show. Um, and so, you know, they, they did, he said that they did let out an, an emphatic cheer once they saw the block O come across the screen because, you know, there was that relief. Okay, we do know that we're finally in it now. There's no more questions surrounding that. But then it was just very much a businessman-like approach. And, you know, they, the players were dismissed for the rest of the day. They had, they had the rest of the Sunday off and, you know, get back to work this week. It's odd to thank God that Ryan Day has three more appearances uh, in the college football playoff than he has wins over Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is pretty interesting. And I know that loss is one that, you know, because he's been referring to this whole experience as yeah. a second lease on life. And yesterday, yeah. too, I – you know, we, we talked about that a little bit more in depth and he, that is really how he views it. You know, it, it like, it is li- like football is life down there at, you know, at Ohio state and to him. And so that's why this really is a, a, a huge opportunity for them to kind of feel as though, because they're very disappointed with how the Michigan game transpired. And that is not how they wanted their season to end. You can't talk about Ohio state without, referencing Michigan and vice versa in this state. Uh, When you think about the reaction, uh, do you think it mattered to Ohio State being three as opposed to four or which team they played? Georgia seems to be the favorites. Uh, Ohio State is uh, an underdog by nearly a touchdown in this game. Uh, Do you think they're okay with that? Did they want to play Michigan again right away? Uh, they say, okay, well, we're going to have to beat Georgia anyway. We might as well do it now, and then uh, we'll get another shot at Michigan for the national championship. You know, I think that that it's uh, grateful, you know, I don't don't know if grateful is a good word, but definitely think that they are, you know, fortunate, feel fortunate to be in the position that they're in. And I don't think that they wanted to play Michigan in the first game. I think that they want to play Michigan if they get the chance to in the national championship game and beat them in the national championship game. (laughs) So, you know, obviously getting through Georgia is going to be a very tall task. Uh, They know it's not going to be an easy feat whatsoever, but at the end, at the end of it all, you know, playing Georgia first, that's to then get the second shot at Michigan for a national championship instead of a big 10 championship. It's interesting to think odd that, Ohio State could be putting every ounce of energy into upsetting Georgia and then one week later be the biggest Georgia fans on the planet. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, there's, I guess, uh, par- the parody of college football in that sense. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of how it works. You know, you have – it's certainly sometimes how it works in the state of Michigan when Michigan plays Ohio State. You know, there are a lot of people who will say, well, if you're a true Michigan State fan, you would never in your wildest dreams root for Michigan in any type, shape, or form. But, you know, there's also people who argue, well, uh, a lot of people always talk about how the SEC is the top conference for football. So in that situation, if you're a Michigan State fan, Michigan State's part of the Big Ten Conference, so you know, you could argue, well, why not root for Michigan? Because they're part of the Big Ten Conference, and if they win a national championship, that makes the conference look good. So now That sounds um, good. But I yeah. can tell you that there's no one uh, in the state of Ohio who will be rooting for Michigan. Oh, this absolutely is there are very, not. very, no. very, 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 very few people uh, who really care about Michigan State who would be rooting for Michigan. And I know people who cheer for Auburn, and they can do those SEC chants all they want, but when it comes down to it, they don't want Alabama to win. It just makes their life hell. Right. Right. No, it, it, absolutely. I, yeah, I totally get Yeah, I totally get that, where you're coming from. Um, but they definitely, yeah. I mean, if, if Ohio State, if Georgia does win, yes, they're not going to be rooting for Michigan in the national championship game. Uh, we've got a lot of other things going on here and sticking with Big Ten football. We have the transfer portal, and it's official today. People can make this known. Some were, were not very well-kept secrets. Others are surprises. What would happen if we had a transfer portal for media? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a perplexing question. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to come work at Channel 6 for a couple for a little bit? <laughs> what do you want to do? Oh, sure. Yeah, I could leave Fox 47. <laughs> you, you, right. Uh, <laughs> You just swap roles. I'll do the yeah. press pass, and then you can do I'm everything that do I, I do start? here. Yes, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it would, be, it would be a road. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the news business is already sort of fluid in that sense. Is there's, a lot of, there's always people who are moving and going somewhere, and there's all, there seems to be turnover quite a bit. Uh, sort they of like non competes, right? Don't they have yeah, there times are, where yeah. you don't have that now in football? You're immediately eligible. You can go play tomorrow. It does make it very interesting, and I think with all the new coaching hires throughout all of college football right yeah. now, you're seeing you know, these brand-new coaches come in and talk to the teams, and then, then immediately the next day you're seeing you know, a couple players from that school pop into the portal. So whether it's the coach's decision to tell them, hey, you, know, you better start looking, or maybe they figure, well, this isn't going to be a good fit for me, um, you know, it, it makes it – I think at times, I, th- I think at times it makes it a situation where it's hard to build a continuity and a culture if you're constantly looking at the portal or having kids go into the portal or enter the portal or you're grabbing them from the portal. Um, at some point, you know, you'd like to think that you know you want to recruit the high school kids and build yeah. your your program that way, but well, you can do um, both. Yeah, you can definitely do both, and a lot of programs do both. Uh, the part that worries me about it is just how, as I was as mentioning just a little bit earlier, is that yeah. you know you might it might be harder to build a culture if you're constantly bringing guys right. in and out all the time. Right, right. Well, I think Tom Izzo was happy that USC lost Friday night because 
had Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and 17 other players, key players, had come in in the portal in year one with Lincoln Riley. And uh, Tom wanted anyone but USC, I think, to win the national title because of his feelings about the portal. But I'm going to talk about Michigan State basketball. Uh, you obviously were not back in time to see uh, Spartans play last night, correct? No, but I did watch the game on my phone uh, in the airport. <laughs> so Could you believe what you were bit. watching? Um, it was a little perplexing at times, but <laughs> I could definitely see the fact of what Izzo at his press conference today, you know, he was referring to the fact of how he goes, he, he opened it up by saying, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, we're dead. Like, they, from the travel to the schedule of the teams and yeah. to the quick prep that they've yeah. been doing, the turnaround for it. Um, you know, it's been a gauntlet for him in that sense. And, uh, you know, he said he didn't want to make any excuses about it and the loss. Yeah. But, you know, when you're down players as well, Jaden Akins is back for the first time in four games. And, you know, playing 22 minutes for him probably was – a hefty amount for for that being his first game back. Made and one shot, the last four. It was one for six, right. and hit it, the first shot he took, and after that he wasn't much. Right. You know, so the lack of healthy bodies comes to be, like, you know, when you have injuries that they have, uh, it becomes an issue for them. And, you know, yeah, traveling over 10,000 miles in the month of November, hopefully they have a frequent flyer point uh, card or system because, they definitely racked up the miles, that's for sure. They traveled more miles than Audrey Dahlgren, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, <laughs> she was on the aircraft carrier, and uh, she was in Columbus yesterday. Uh, so how concerned should Michigan State basketball fans be that uh, this is something that's not going to correct itself soon? I don't think that anybody should could be – I don't think anyone should be concerned right now with what's going on. You know, they're still trying to figure out, um, you know, the, the consistency and flow of their lineup. They haven't had Aikens, who is their most athletic player. You know, Malik Hall, who is another key player for them, he's out. Uh, you know, and, and because of it, Pierre Brooks has had to play 30-plus minutes, which right. Izzo said today that that has to stop because, you know, he's just yeah. getting worn down. And so I just think that, you know, kind of like the, the rallying cry of this week is tough it out get through the week, and uh, he mentioned that today, just get through these next two games this week, and then you're going to have about two, three weeks of uh, a, a respite a little bit. You know, they'll be practicing and everything. It's not like they're just going to be sitting on their couches, but right. um, they will get uh, <laughs> they'll get a little bit of a respite, which would be good. They may want to sit on Graham couch, depending on what now, it means, that's <laughs> Yeah. I mean, now if they come back from after the Christmas holiday – and they look how they did against Northwestern, then then maybe people should be concerned. Yeah. There were three things in that game, Odd, that made you say, well, uh, they're in trouble. <laughs> uh, one of them was their leading scorer, or tied for the lead, is Matty Sissoko. And, you know, Matty's been a big surprise, but he's not supposed to be your leading scorer. Uh, they got out-rebounded by Northwestern, and I think I've only seen that happen twice. And that goes back a long way. Um, first time they lost back-to-back games to Northwestern in 60 years. You have to go back to 1962 to find the last time that happened. And you could tell with the fatigue odd because uh, transition points, fast break points, normally Northwestern doesn't get any. 
and they had six more than Michigan State, but a lot of those came off the turnovers for touchdowns, as uh, Izzo likes to call them, and sloppy passes, and the next thing you know, you get a breakaway dunk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for for Mati to be the leading scorer is, as you mentioned, not what <laughs> – <laughs> Not unless you were to go off and have, you know, 25, yeah. 30 points. But, yeah, yeah in, in a situation like that, and yet again, I just think it speaks to the lack of depth right now because of the injuries, the fatigue, you know, sort of running out of gas. Um, and, you know, I don't think it, that's an excuse either. You know, I don't think, you know, because Izzo was mentioning how, oh, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses and I don't, I don't believe that either. I just think that, I mean, it's been a brutal stretch for him. And he even admitted yeah. that this is, this is a lot more, this is a lot more than he, he uh, even thought it would be. Yeah. All right. Let's talk uh, Big Ten hockey for a minute. And you saw how good Minnesota is. And <laughs> uh, Michigan State played hard, but uh, really not on the same ice sheet. Came back on Saturday. And uh, a late flurry, but still, uh, Minnesota was by far the better team. This week, it's home-and-home uh, home with Michigan. And Michigan might be as talented or more talented in terms of NHL prospects than Minnesota. But the Wolverines haven't been playing that way. And they lost Friday night at Wisconsin. First Big Ten victory of the year for the Badgers and uh, then had to rally on Saturday. And I think if you told most people that for the weekend, Wisconsin was going to outscore Michigan, they would not have believed it. Yeah, right now they're fifth in the standings going into this week, I believe. Um, And with Michigan State getting swept by Minnesota, Michigan State is third in the standings now behind um, Minnesota, Penn State, and then Michigan State. So, and I think maybe Michigan might be tied for fourth with Ohio State, uh, but they're right there, obviously. Um, and it'll be an interesting series, I think. The home and home is always a lot of fun for everybody. Uh, I do like the fact that they play one game in East Lansing and then they go to Ann Arbor. Um, you know, I think some maybe some of the reasons why Michigan is playing maybe how it is playing this year is obviously they're under the direction of an interim coach, you know, after Mel, Mel Pearson, um, you know, departing and the interim coach has never been a coach before he's been involved in hockey, USA hockey and uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, but never in, in a coaching role. And so, you know, you maybe have to think that some of that comes into play, have a lot of talent, but if you don't know, you know, kind of, I'm by no means saying he doesn't know what he's doing because obviously they have him in that role because they, right. they believe in him. But there could be a little bit of an instant. You know, there could be something Learning because curve, of that. Right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, um, but I think Michigan State's really excited. We just actually uh, we just sat down with Adam Nightingale today and Jeremy Davidson for the coaches show this week. So I think they're excited to be playing Michigan. Um, obviously, this is Adam's first go round in the series as coach versus player. And so he's looking forward to that. And um, he was very impressed, too, with the crowd at Munn Ice Arena. Great. Yeah, they were waiting the for something on Friday. Yes, a rush. The they were. <laughs> they uh, were. You could feel it. And, you know, same thing Saturday, just waiting to explode from a goal or um, some yeah. type of something. And um, But, yeah, uh, overall, I mean, and I don't think that – 
you know, I think with how how good of a start they had, I think maybe people probably viewed Michigan State at a level of Minnesota. But once they dropped the puck, you could see that there was some different instances where, you know, they still have some catching up to do. Other than the Krieger twins who have been drafted uh, a long time ago and were not signed, so they're technically free agents, Michigan State has David Gucciardi, who has got an NFL tie right now. And you looked at the uh, line chart for the Gophers, and you know what? I don't know how many they had. There'd be more than a dozen guys, uh, NHL prospects, and guys who teams are waiting on. So uh, it was it was very different. Um, we'll see what happens. I wanted to ask you too. Um, first game with Michigan and Michigan State since the football altercation is here. Uh, and Mud Ice Arena has two tunnels, so we don't have to worry about that. But uh, the following night, they go back to Yost, and January 7th, Michigan basketball comes into Breslin. Knowing how raucous those two buildings can be and what the student sections can be at Yost and with the Izone, you apprehensive at all on how that's going to go? I am. I really am. We were just talking about it today. We were just talking about that in the sports office today, about how the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game is going to be a mess this year because of, especially, too, with Izzo coming out and voicing his concerns. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, his view on the tunnel incident, which, you know, know, Izzo, he's not going to hold back from how he feels, and nor should he have to. Um, And so – you know, I, I just think, yeah, I'm actually pretty concerned about any Michigan-Michigan State meeting going forward. And I, I think Harbaugh came out uh, yesterday during his Zoom for the Fiesta Bowl and was mentioning how, you know, don't feed into the Twitter, the, the Twitter hate. Uh, don't feed into the Twitter, you know, hate, yeah, hate that's going on and people are like, you know, with their haterade and hater tots and all this stuff. And I just, I just think it's at a level where it is very toxic right now. And, um, I think part of that, not, not a lot of it, not all of it, certainly not the origins of it, but I think that it was made worse, uh, by Jim Harbaugh's, uh, statements and Ward Manuel statements immediately after the game. I mean, that's, you let the authorities handle those kinds of things. Uh, shouldn't be campaigning for felony charges. So, I think that well, that's been noticed, especially with the hypocrisy now with Mozzie Smith. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that, that just it makes it makes it worse. Odd, I have to ask you one more question, I promise. Appreciate all your time. What do you make of the Detroit Lions? Are they for real? I think they're finding a groove right now. I think they're catching I think they're catching fire at the right time. And um I, I don't know if I would I would go off and say that uh real deal but i definitely think that they're starting to figure things out when it mm-hmm. matters most down the stretch here so yeah. um that's all that's what i'll say <laughs> even yesterday before the big one over jacksonville i never heard that kind of playoff talk for a four and seven team now people are looking to the schedule and saying well they'll win this one they'll win that one if they beat minnesota they could run the table and, uh, you know, maybe people are getting out a little bit over their skis, but uh, there's certainly more excitement 
for the Lions, and we've seen it in a lot of Decembers. Yeah, there is, absolutely. And that's a good thing, you know. That's what Dan Campbell wants to do as a former player. You know, he wants he wants to uh, have that team, you know, playing for for something and then to, yeah. to bring back the the pride, <laughs> essentially, uh, in it. And, um, you know, if, if they can keep – the one thing that, you know, a lot of people, you know, were unsure about him and – I think he just resonates so much with the players. I just think that they yeah. probably have this. I'm not obviously around that program a ton like I am with, you know, Michigan State in right. certain instances, but you can just tell that the players respect respect him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I hope you had fun with your Heisman vote, and uh, it wasn't too difficult. You were one of the people in the group I said, no problem, she'll handle this well. Uh, <laughs> there's some other Neanderthals who – Sitting there saying, "How do I do this? I don't know what to do." So, anyway, yeah, it was uh, a little more challenging this year. I will yeah. say that yeah, it was yeah. um, it was a lot more challenging this year than it has been the last couple of years. But yeah. <laughs> it, uh, but it's always uh, I always feel very grateful to be a part of that. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. We will be right back, and we're going to talk with Jim Gum, G U M M, from the Blitz newsletter. And he always makes that available to our listeners. Get a free deal on that. All you have to do is send him an email. And it is the number one football newsletter in the country. And if you want to win some bets or seem smarter than you really are, uh, you'll get a copy of The Blitz. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall. Or Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. 
Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or <laughs> batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblin here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, let's go right back to our guest line. Very happy to welcome in Jim Gum from the Blitz newsletter in Tennessee. And something that I enjoy reading every week during the season. Look forward to getting those, usually on Sundays. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Uh, What did you make of the college football playoff selections? And uh, does anybody have a legitimate beef? I really don't think anyone has a beef because we've got – there are four teams left in this country with one loss or zero losses. 
and all four of those teams made it into the playoffs. I know we had uh, Nick Saban was uh, advocating for Alabama, and uh, you could actually make a, uh, an argument that Tennessee was just as deserving, if not more so, than Alabama. But uh, everyone else had two losses or more, so you get the four teams left that have just one loss, which would be Ohio State and TCU, and the two undefeated teams, which are Georgia and Michigan. So I, I think they're fine. I think you, the only argument would have been who should have been three and who should have been four. Uh, personally, I think Ohio State is better than TCU, mm-hmm. but I think the committee just didn't want to have a repeat of Ohio State-Michigan this soon. So I honestly think that there was something, even though they deny that, I just don't think that they wanted to have a, a Big Ten semifinal out there in Arizona. What would have had to happen in that TCU game for the committee to have had no choice? At one point, it looked like Kansas State was going to win comfortably, uh, was going to have a double-digit win, and uh, that did not transpire. Uh, Kansas State, excuse me, Kansas State would have had a, a double-digit win. And let's say it would have been uh, Wildcats uh, 48 and TCU 24. Uh, now you've got... They... Now, yeah. you're, now you've really put the selection committee in an uncomfortable situation because now you're looking at a blowout loss, uh, a team that had has lived on the edge all season long in TCU. They've had so many come-from-behind wins and close victories, and then you would have had the Alabama, Tennessee, are they both better than TCU? Probably yes. And then you'd have had a, a, a lot more argue, argument as far as putting a two-loss team in. The best thing, I guarantee you, the selection committee just loved it that that game went in overtime. Because at that point, right. TCU was going to be in win or, win or, uh, or yes. lose. And then obviously they lost and, and they stayed at number three. They didn't even drop a, a, a you know, not even one you know, slot. So, right. uh, no, that was the best scenario for that selection committee. Because that would have been interesting to see what they would have done on Sunday had, had TCU lost by 24 points. What do you think of Nick Saban and his lobbying? And uh, he made the rounds. It's the most people who've ever been able to talk to Nick Saban. Uh, If you couldn't get him Saturday night, you were never going to get him. Yeah, he was all over the place. I actually flipped on the Lifetime channel thinking he might show up on there, too. Uh, Now, he, you know, listen, I know he was using the, hey, uh, uh, we would be favored uh, against. uh, all three, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU on a neutral field. Well, Alabama was also favored against LSU and Tennessee, and, and they lost those games too. So, you know, the odds makers, you can't use that as your argument. The bottom line is Alabama lost two games. Yes, they lost two close games, but they also played and won some claims against Texas uh, and, and Texas A&M that, you know, were much closer than probably they should have been. So, I think that was a, a hollow um, politicking, <laughs> if you will, from uh, Nick Saban. But listen, if I'm the head coach of Alabama, I'm doing the same thing, and you probably sure. are doing the same thing too. Sure. So you're trying yeah. to justify your team. So if you're a fan of Alabama, you're like, yeah, coach, tell them, you know. Well, when I talked to some people in Vegas this weekend, they said uh, it's really not that close. And if Alabama played TCU, 
uh, Bama would be a 10-point favorite, uh, might be even 11-point favorite in that game, and uh, broke it down with the injury to Bryce Young, where they lost those two games on the last play. Uh, they both beat Texas, but, uh, you know, to do that uh, the way that Alabama did when most teams would never have even scheduled a non-conference game in Austin. Uh, they said, you know, this might be the one exception, and I really wonder if uh, KSU had kept its foot on the pedal uh, if we might have seen a two-loss team. Well, maybe we would have, but obviously. Yeah, we'll never know, and there's a lot of speculation. Listen, Alabama is a very talented team. They've got as much talent on their roster as any team in America yeah. But Alabama's not – they've not been dominant this year like they typically right. are. So I think that Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan would have had a shot against the, the Crimson Tide uh-huh. had, uh, had uh, Alabama made this uh, this field. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State had a win at Penn State, although they got outgained by the Nittany Lions, and uh, that game was very close into the fourth quarter. Alabama's best win – uh, was probably at Mississippi. Mississippi was a top ten team, and Alabama Alabama handled the Rebels pretty well. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those deals that you wonder too, Jim. Uh, Clemson and Tennessee both got South Carolina, and if they had, yeah. uh, South Carolina really played a very very important role in this college football playoff. Because if they hadn't blown out Tennessee and ended Clemson's long home winning streak, one of those teams with one loss might have gotten in. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, boy, it would have been interesting if, uh, let's say, South Carolina loses both those games. You know, you've got a one-loss Ohio State coming off a loss to Michigan. You've got Tennessee, who's got one loss. And you've got Clemson, one loss, and the ACC champions. So who would have been the, the, the fourth team? I think it would have been between Clemson and, and Tennessee, actually, at that point. So that would have been very, very interesting. But once again, Jack, uh, we'll never know. We'll never Cause know. Because it didn't happen. They both did lose to Clemson right. and, I mean, South Carolina. So, yeah, it was really amazing. Well, I have uh, a guy who was insisting this morning, and uh, I don't usually pay that much attention to what he says, but he was saying that, if uh, South Carolina had lost both those games and you'd had all four of those programs with one loss, that the third and fourth teams would not have been Ohio State uh, with that blowout loss at home and wouldn't have been TCU just because the numbers would not have added up and lost its last game. And the three and four teams would have been Tennessee and Clemson. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even figure in TCU when we were just talking. That very well may have been the case. Uh, it's so funny because, you know, for the longest time, everyone just kind of discounted uh, Clemson and the ACC. They thought, well, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it because, you know, Clemson got just boat raced in South Bend. Right. But, man, I mean, they came on strong there at the end, but they couldn't finish it, you know, in the, their last regular season game against South Carolina. But the, that would have been extremely interesting. You're right. There would have been four one-loss teams. And, you know, two of them, TCU and Ohio State, would have been coming off losses. Yeah. So that would have uh, – stuff like that sticks in the uh, minds of those selection committee members for sure. 
and it changes what happens for individuals too. Jim, now it's Bryce Young who uh, probably won't be playing in a bowl game. Uh, it would have been C.J. Stroud who had told people that he wasn't going to play in an ordinary bowl game, uh, even have been the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl, whatever. He wasn't going to play in that. So now in the playoff, he's back in uniform. And uh, Clemson quarterback, D.J. Oyungalale, <laughs> he's in the portal today. Uh, how often do you get a quarterback of a team that was on the cusp of the college football playoff? I mean, they lost that game by a point to South Carolina. Uh, you know, and, and maybe he could say, well, I was going to lose my job anyway. But he's looking for a new place to play. Yeah, it, it really is amazing when you see how just one game can change how guys are, are perceived and, and what they are or are not going to do. You're right. Uh, C.J. Stroud probably wasn't going to play in a, in, a, in a New Year's Six Bowl game, but right. playoffs, you know, he's going to be there. Uh, and then Bryce Young, just the opposite. He's not going to probably play for Alabama and uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, you're, you'll see. Listen, this the bowl season is going to be uh, basically like uh, spring practice for some teams. They're going to just look so different because you're going to see a bunch of guys out there that you don't even recognize them. Uh, so you're, yeah, it, it is what it is. But uh, that's that's the reality of college football in 2022, where you got guys opting out left and right. And we talked about this last week, where yeah. you know, um, you know. I'm, Guys, they, they opt out of these bowl games. I'm like, why, why didn't you opt out in October or November? I mean, what, what's the difference? You can get hurt then, too. But sure. there again, that's the different, it's a different uh, subject for a different day, I guess. Well, I've been told to expect that, Jim, that within the next five years, you're going to find guys who have big Septembers, and they don't think their team's going to win the national title, but they played great. They're done. They're mailing it in. I said, okay. Uh, you've seen me in four games, or you've seen me in six games. Here's my resume, NFL. I am not going to risk it. Yeah, of course. You know, now, the news came out today that Jackson Smith and Jitha, uh he's yep. going to uh, uh, forego the playoff yep. game because, listen, he hasn't been right since that Notre Dame game. Uh, yep. he, he, he actually they tried to get him back that one game, and yep. he played a quarter and a half, and, you know, and he yep. hadn't been seen since. Uh, so, you know, he's already said he's, he's done. He's not even going to try to play in the playoffs. Listen, Ohio State's done pretty good without him, but could you imagine uh, Georgia trying to prepare for him and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr.? So, yeah, it, it's a, it is what it is. That's the reality of, uh, of collegiate athletics uh, at the football level. And, and like I said, when we could start seeing stuff like this happen in March Madness where a guy is a, a top-notch NBA you know, top-five pick and – they're like, well, I don't want to risk getting hurt in the uh, in the in the tournament, and they're just going to opt out. I, I believe it's coming down the road. I know your odds of getting hurt in football are greater than basketball, but yeah. I mean, heck, I've seen some gruesome injuries in, in basketball. So, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate and it's sad, really, for the fans. One of the things that I love most about the Blitz, Jim, is uh, the section you have uh, in the upper left-hand corner. Uh, page one always are those tidbits that you find uh, that you aggregate uh, what did you find that was particularly interesting from the conference championship games 
Oh my gosh, um, I, th- I think as far as uh, that, I-, I like the fact that Dabo Sweeney. You know, a lot of people are don't like Dabo Sweeney. He rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. But you know, that was his eighth win in a conference championship game, and that broke a tie that he had with Bob Stoops. Only Nick Saban has more conference championship game victories than Dabo Sweeney, uh, and uh, the margins ten to eight. And, you know, Dabo is considerably younger uh, than Nick Saban. You know, you wonder if Dabo stays at Clemson for another 10, 15 years, how many ACC championships can this guy win? And, you know, yeah. that, I thought that was pretty – I didn't – you know, I guess I never thought how many he had until it came up. I'm like, well, I, yeah, I do, because uh, I think he's got such a, a long career still to go. Yeah. Uh, unless he were to you know, decide to go to the NFL, I think I think he's a college guy. I think he's going to stay at Clemson for a long time. I know there's there's rumors that he'll be the guy to replace Nick Saban in Alabama, but yeah. even if he does that, I mean, what's to prevent him from keeping that that train rolling in, in, in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. And that he could uh, win some more championships in, in, in Tuscaloosa. So we'll see. Yeah. But no, that's a pretty good uh, size record. Uh, eight victories in conference championship games for Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, and when you think about uh, what he has to face in the ACC versus the SEC, uh, I think he's probably more likely to win one at Clemson even than Alabama because of the competition. Uh, So it'll be fun to watch that way. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, uh, we mentioned him earlier. I don't know that there's a better coach in the country when you consider what he has to work with and the challenges uh, with the running Utes, but he had a team that was ranked second in the final poll going back a few, uh, several years. Uh, and he's had so many other teams uh, in terms of the Pac-12 championship game. And I think he had two years where he wasn't up to snuff uh, about a decade ago. And other than that, you couldn't ask for a better performance from a coach. Uh, I thought that to beat USC twice in one year, well, it'd be kind of like Michigan trying to beat Ohio State twice, right? I, I think Kyle Whittingham is the most underrated head coach in college football, and I've said that for a couple years. The guy, you know, he's in Utah. Uh, people in the East rarely pay much attention to what's going on at the Pac-12 unless you're at Oregon or at USC, at one of the bigger schools. And Utah just flies under the radar year in and year out. And, you know, this guy, I mean, listen, what a great game Utah played against USC. We remember the great Rose Bowl that his team played against Ohio State. He's beaten Alabama uh, before. This guy is a heck of a football coach. And I'm shocked that he hasn't been hired away. But, you know, I think this guy really likes Utah. And, you know, he's got some really good teams they're very physical they don't get intimidated by right. anybody and i think he's the most underrated uh head coach in college football you know you you talk about that and uh having a chance to go somewhere else jim it reminds me a little bit of mark few in basketball you know he's there every year uh not really a, a blue blood in the traditional sense and people say well why hasn't some other school snapped him up why hasn't UCLA hired him? Or, you know, in the case of, of uh, Kyle Whittingham, why hasn't, uh, you know, some marquee program, Texas, someplace said, hey, this guy knows how to coach. He can get it done. If he can do that with what he has, 
think what he can do here. But the guy's got to want to go. And Mark Few doesn't want to leave his trout streams uh, up in eastern Washington. And I don't think uh, Kyle Whittingham wants to leave Utah either. And you know what? It could be his wife loves it there and they're happy. You know, and the guy, it's not like he's, you know, listen, I think he's not using, uh, you know, food stamps. This guy makes good money. Uh, He's happy. And listen, I think that, you know, sometimes your quality of life can trump uh, the the pressure at uh, another school. Because, listen, he he can literally, he is the king uh, of of the state of Utah. And, uh, heck, he's got a good thing going on. Don't don't mess it up. Sometimes I think some of these coaches yeah. go uh, chasing money, and then they end up in a, in a worse situation. No, I think he's in a perfect situation there in, uh, in Utah. Yeah, and you talk about pressure and scrutiny. Uh, he's had more success than anyone in that region. But someone said that in terms of fan appeal and popularity, that BYU is still right there, even though they are – private school they are not uh, the university of uh still there are probably as many or more byu fans as there are utah fans so you know kyle whittingham he can just go about his business and uh show up with another conference championship jim thanks so much for joining us can you let our listeners know again seems like we've done this a bunch uh where they can get the best newsletter on college football yeah, absolutely. Just uh, email me, Jim Gum. that's J-I-M-G-U-M-M dot blitz at yahoo.com, and I will email you the bowl issue, and I think that you'll enjoy it because it, uh, it, it, it we cover every bowl, and we've got uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff in there I think you'll enjoy. Fantastic. I want to thank all of our guests today, Rob. This was fun, a very busy Monday. Uh, I say college football never sleeps. Might take a nap, but uh, that's about it. Uh, I want to thank Tim Henning from the Heisman Trophy Trust. The voting ended uh, one hour ago, and tonight you will hear on ESPN the four finalists, the four people who will be showing up in New York uh, for the announcement on Saturday. Bob Trippi, our number one numbers cruncher, longtime state of Michigan sports writer, now working with Larry Lage at the Associated Press. Director of Research for this show, Audrey Dahlgren, Sports Director, Lead Anchor for WLNS Channel 6, and also Correspondent for BTN, and Jim Gum from the Blitz Newsletter in Tennessee. We will be back tomorrow, everyone. Have a great night. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.